Hey, grab your Bibles, open them up to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, there is a hardback black Bible under the chair in front of you. If you're using that Bible, we are going to be on page 16. Um, I always tell you to break out your Bibles because I want you to see this is God's word. This isn't my words. This is God's word for us. Last week, we began a series in the, uh, it's not in a book, it's, it's kind of all throughout the Old Testament that we're calling more than a story, God at work in our lives. And we're going to continue that today. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 kind of gives us the mindset that we want to have behind these stories. Paul tells us there in Romans 15 that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The stories of the Old Testament are not just stories. They were written to give us hope. They were written to teach us who our God is, to teach us how we ought to live. And so this summer, we're going to be looking at some of our favorite Bible stories and see what they have for us, take hold of the hope they offer us. Uh, But before we begin today, since it's summer, since our students just came back from camp, and since VBS begins tomorrow... And VBS's theme is twist and turns. It's all about games. I thought we'd start by playing a game. Now, I can already tell you're nervous. That's okay. It's you against me, okay? And and this isn't going to be really hard, but here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say something. And then in unison, I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind, right? And then I'm going to say something, and you're going to do it again. And if we get to the end and you get it right, you win. If not, I win. Sound, Sound good? Okay, If you've grown up in church, this is going to be really easy, okay? If you haven't, I'm sorry. We'll get this going, though. Okay, ready? Here we go. Father Abraham and many sons, and I am one of them, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. Yes, you win. That's right. Right arm. Father Abraham had many sons. And money sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. You're welcome. That song is going to be stuck in your head all day long. It's been stuck in my head all week long. And the reason why is because today we're going to be talking about Father Abraham. All throughout the Bible, Abraham is presented to us as the paradigm, as the absolute best example of our faith lived out. We know that Abraham was a man who trusted God. We know that he walked with God. He is the biblical role model for faith. But sometimes when we have a role model, we take that role model and we put him up on a pedestal. And when we put that role model up on a pedestal, we lose some of their humanity. We can begin to think that they never struggled, that they never had doubts. We can forget that in many ways they were just like us. We sing songs about Abraham. We tell stories about Abraham, and we forget that Abraham was just like us. He was a fallen sinner who was striving, often imperfectly, to serve our living God. And the problem we have is that when we do that, when we take that example of faith and we put him up on a pedestal, we lose that humanity. The problem with that is that the example he gives us, it loses its power. It loses its ability to help us follow the Lord because the reality is Abraham was a man of faith, but his faith was a lot like yours and mine. He had struggles. He had doubts. He walked with God, but he, he struggled. He trusted God, 
but he struggled. He knew God was always faithful and still. He had doubts. And we're going to see that today. What we're going to see today as we look at this is, is going to be our main idea for this story of Abraham. And that's that we can always trust God because God is always faithful. As we look at this test that Abraham's going to endure here in Genesis chapter 22, the main idea of what we're going to see, what this is teaching us, is that we can always trust God because God is always faithful. If you walk out of here with nothing else, walk out with that right there. We can always trust God because God is always faithful. So with that in mind, let's dive right into the story of Father Abraham. Genesis chapter 22. We're going to start at verse 1. We're going to go to verse 19. Hear the word of the Lord. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said on to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided." And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is in, on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. And they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we look at the story of Abraham's test, I ask that you would speak with us this morning, that we would see that this is more than just a great story, but that this is teaching us about what it means to have genuine faith, what it means to walk with you. That this is teaching us that you are always faithful. 
Father, work in us today. Help us to see and hear from you. Help us to know that we can always trust you because you are always faithful. Do a work in us today, we ask. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Growing up and going to school, I was never really a fan of taking tests. Honestly, I don't know anybody that enjoyed taking a test, but like them or not, they were a fact of life. And while I never enjoyed taking a test, there came a point, I think somewhere in college, where I finally began to understand at least uh, why I was taking a test. Tests in school were given to prove to my teachers that I had learned what they were teaching. The whole point of tests was to demonstrate to my teacher that I knew the material. But after college, when I was in flight school, that, that sort of changed. There were still tests that I had to take that were to prove to my instructors that I had learned the material, but there were other tests as well. In the simulator, I had to deal with complex aircraft emergencies, engine failures and, and system failures, things like that. Um, and, and in water survival class, they made me swim a mile in a flight suit nonstop. Um, they, they even dragged us over to Horak Field here off of uh, County Road 95 for something that we called the redneck parasail. Now, now, no kidding, what they did is they strapped us into an actual parachute and then they tied us in that parachute harness to the back of an F-250. And then they ran us up. They like, dragged us with the F-250. I'm not making this up. They did this. It's on YouTube. You can see it. They dragged us up till we were about 100 feet up off the ground. They released that rope. And then we had to float down and practice our parachute landing falls there at Horak Field. Now, those were all tests, all of them. The, the swim the emergencies, the parachute landing, all of those were tests, but none of those tests were for my instructors. All of those tests were for me. All of those tests were designed to show me that I had the knowledge and skills I needed to do my job effectively. They were meant to build my confidence and encourage me so that I could be the kind of naval aviator that the Navy needed me to be. Sometimes in life, a test is meant to evaluate. And sometimes in life, a test is meant to encourage. And as we're looking at this test that Abraham faces here in Genesis 22, I think in this case, it's the latter. Take a look, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, after these things, God tested Abraham. Now, there's no getting around this. God tested Abraham. It's right there. But he didn't test Abraham because he didn't know how Abraham was going to respond. God knew how this was going to play out because he's God. God tested Abraham because he needed Abraham to know that his faith was genuine. You see, while we see Abraham as this perfect model of faith, the reality is his track record was anything but perfect. Abraham struggled with doubt all throughout his life. We first met Abraham when he, when he was called Abram, back in chapter 11 of Genesis. And there in chapter 11, and then moving into chapter 12, the, the Lord calls him to leave his family behind, leave his land, and go to a land that he will show him. And as the Lord gives him this command to, to get up and go, he makes him a promise. The Lord promises Abraham in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and, those, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that's the initial promise. 
So in faith and obedience, Abraham, he left and he traveled to the promised land. But as he arrives at the promised land, a famine sets in, and this seems to be the first great threat to God's promises. So Abraham takes his wife and he travels to Egypt, and as they arrive in Egypt, Abraham begins to doubt God's ability to take care of him and protect him. You see, Abraham's wife, Sarah, was beautiful, and and Abraham was afraid that, that they might see her and kill him to steal his wife. So he develops his own self-defense strategy. He asks Sarah to tell everyone that he's his sister, or she's his sister, and she does, and she's taken to be a wife of Pharaoh, but God intervenes, and, and Abraham and Sarah and their nephew Lot leave Egypt better off than they arrived. In Genesis chapter 15, the Lord visits Abraham in a dream. And Abraham, again, doubting God's promise to make him into a great nation, tells the Lord that since the Lord hasn't given him any offspring, he's going to take things into his own hands. Abraham chooses Elizer of Damascus, one of his servants, to be his heir. But the Lord tells him, no, your very own son is going to be your heir. And then the Lord reiterates his promise again. Abraham moves back from doubt over to faith, but only for a while. Because by the time we get to chapter 16, his doubt is back at work again. He still doesn't have a son. And so following the custom of the day and the advice of his wife, Abraham takes matters into his own hands again. He takes Sarah's servant, Hagar, to be a wife. She conceives and gives birth to a son, Ishmael. But in chapter 17, the Lord visits Abraham yet again. And this time he makes it clear that he will be given a son by his wife, Sarah, in her old age. And then he commands them to name that son Isaac. A year later, we're in chapter 21, Isaac is born. There's drama between Sarah and Hagar because of the competing sons, which leads Abraham to send Hagar and Ishmael away. And and as all of that is going down, in the midst of that, God tells Abraham not to fear, not to be concerned, because through Isaac shall your offspring be named. That's what's happening right before we come into this test here in chapter 22. You see, Abraham's entire life has been a life of faith struggling against doubt. But now that the promise has been fulfilled, now that he has this son named Isaac, who's going to be the one through which his offspring are all named, now that God has made it clear that Isaac is the one, it's Isaac, it's not Ishmael, it's not, it's not Elizer, it's Isaac, now that that has happened, God wants to help Abraham see that his faith is real. He wants him to help, help to see him to see that his faith is genuine. So verse 1 tells us, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. The Lord tests Abraham. And while we know that this is a test, Abraham does not. He thinks this is what's going to happen. All he knows is that God has given him another command to obey. And it's a pretty radical command. This son of yours that you love dearly. This son of yours who you've been waiting for all your life, this son who's the fulfillment of all of my promises to you, I want you to take him to Moriah and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering to me. And it's almost like in the command, there's this kind of buried question below the surface. Where does your hope rest now, 
Abraham? Is your hope in me and my ability to keep my promises, or is it in that son that I have given you? That's the test. And honestly, it's a test all of us should submit to. Where does our hope rest? Do we place our hope, our faith in God and his faithfulness to keep his promises? Or do we place our faith in the things that God has given us? Do we truly know and believe that God is faithful? Because where we place our faith matters. Abraham's faith was in God, and we know that because his faith led him to act. The commands may have been radical. They might not have made any sense to anyone, but his faith led him to act. Because faith trusts God in the process. That's what we're seeing here. Look at verses 3 through 6. The Bible says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. Abraham's immediate response to these commands is obedience. He trusted God. And so he went where the Lord told him to go. He didn't know exactly where that was, but he went. He trusted God would lead him. He trusted that what God had begun, God would accomplish. So he went. That's what we're seeing here. But did you notice how his trust in God is as radical as God's commands? God told him to go to the place he'd show him, and he goes. God tells him to offer Isaac as a burnt offering, and he prepares to do it. But, but when they arrive to the place that the Lord has told him to go, where it's time to part company with his servants, did you notice what he said to his servants? Right there in verse 5, he says, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. He tells his servants that he and Isaac are going to go worship and that he and Isaac are going to return. Don't miss that, because that statement, with it, we have one of three possibilities in play. First, he's lying. Abraham's lying to his servants because he knows that if he tells them what he's about to do, they're going to try and stop him. Second, he doesn't actually intend to sacrifice Isaac. All this obedience is outward, but inside, he's determined in his heart, there's no way that I'm going to follow through with this. And so he knows that Isaac's going to return. Or third, he trusts that God will intervene. Although he has been told to sacrifice Isaac, somehow the promise that through Isaac shall your offspring be named would be fulfilled. And I think that last option is what's going on here. Abraham doesn't fully understand what God is calling him to do, but he trusts God as he does it. He trusts him through the process. He knows the promise he's received, and he believes that God will carry him through. And the reason I think that that is the correct option is because Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that it is. Take a look at this. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. The author of Hebrews tells us, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested offered up Isaac. 
And he who received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him back from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. I believe that Abraham thought that he was going to return from worshiping the Lord with his son Isaac alive as he departed his servants because his faith led him to trust God in the process. And there's a lesson in in that for us. Genuine faith trusts God in the process. There may be times in our lives where where God calls us to do something radical. It, It might be something as small as the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, I want you to share my gospel with this person over here. Or it might be something as ordinary as, hey, I want you to give up some of your free time. I want to give up some extra activities so that you can serve me in the local church. But it might be something as radical as I want you to quit your job. I want you to leave the comfort of your home, the comfort of everyone you know. I want you to travel across the ocean to this strange country to share my gospel with people who have never heard it. Sometimes God calls us to do things that seem radical. When that happens, faith, genuine faith, leans in. Faith says, God, I don't understand this, but I trust you, so I'm going to obey. Because genuine faith trusts God in the process. But as we return to this story, I'd like you to see that Abraham's faith didn't just trust God in the process. His faith led him to complete obedience. Because faith trusts God for completion as well. Keep reading, beginning at verse 7. The Bible says, And Isaac said to his father, My father... And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Again, here we see faith in action. Abraham believed and trusted God. But at the same time, I do not for one second want to minimize what must have been going on with his head? Like, I don't want to minimize the doubts and the conflicts in his heart that he must have been fighting with in that moment. God's called me to do this great, like, crazy thing. What if God doesn't come through? What if I sacrifice my son and, and God doesn't raise him back up? What if he doesn't provide a sacrifice while I'm there? Like, what if? Man. Those what-ifs are powerful, aren't they? Like when you're going through something, God's called you to do something, you're trying to be obedient, and as you're doing, as you're doing that, you get these just what-if after what-if, like thousands of different things that could possibly go wrong. They just race through your head. What do you do when that happens? You do what Abraham did. You trust God for completion. If he started this, he'll finish it. God's not going to abandon you. I mean, look at the conversation between Abraham and Isaac because it it almost feels like, like Isaac's questions are giving voice to Abraham's doubts. It's almost like Isaac is asking for Abraham's own head. Where's the sacrifice? You're really going to do this, Abraham? You're really going to trust God, Abraham? 
But how does Abraham reply? He says, God will provide. If God has put me on this task, he will ensure it's completed. If God promised that generations would be blessed through my son Isaac, then God is going to do it. His faith led them to completion. And so they keep going. Verse 9. When they came to the place of which God told Abraham, told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Radical faith leads Abraham to a radical moment where he's willing to obey. Because his hope for a legacy, his hope for this massive family, his hope that kings and queens will be born from him and Sarah, his hope to receive the land that God had promised to give him, his hope doesn't rest in Isaac. His hope rests in God. And so in faith, he trusts God for completion of his promise. He trusts God even when it seems completely impossible. And in that moment, God showed that he is always faithful. We're at the climax of the story. The moment has come. Abraham has raised that knife to slaughter his son. And as he's doing that, right then, in just the right moment, the Lord speaks up. Take a look at verse 11. Bible says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. In this moment of radical faith and obedience on Abraham's part, as Abraham is about to do exactly what God has commanded him to do, God proves his faithfulness yet again. He shows that he's always faithful. God stops Abraham and tells him, you've passed the test. I know that you fear me. I know that you put me first. You've done what I've told you to do. And now you know as well. In the exact moment that Abraham needed an offering to sacrifice, God provides him the offering to sacrifice. He gave him a ram trapped in a thicket by his horns because God's timing is always perfect. Now, Sometimes we might not feel that way. Sometimes we get impatient, right? Like, like you can imagine Abraham, how he might have been tempted to think that. Like Abraham's there, he's got the ram, he's offering the sacrifice, and you can imagine he might have been tempted to think, like, you, you could have provided the sacrifice before I had my son tied up, laying on top of the altar, God. You could have given me the sacrifice as I departed my servants with Isaac as we were heading up there, God. Why did you have to wait? He, he could have asked that, but he didn't. He waited for God, and God, in the exact moment he needed him, provided. And while Abraham didn't respond that way, I think sometimes we do. 
we grow impatient with God. God leads us into difficult seasons to help us grow, to to grow our faith, to grow our trust in him. But in that moment, when we're going through the storm, it can be really hard to be patient. It can be really hard to trust God to bring us through to completion. And so when we're in that moment, what do we do? We remember that God's timing is always perfect and that God will bring us through. It can be really hard to trust God in the storm. Just me? It can be really hard as you're struggling and it seems like there's no end in sight. There's no way out to trust God in the storm. But when we're in the storm, we remember that God is still there. And his timing is always perfect. But as the story comes to a close, we we get one final reminder. I want you to see this there in verse 14. The Bible says, So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Abraham gave the place a name that reminded him of what God had done. Because he understood that it's important to remember God's faithfulness. We need reminders. Like when you're in that storm, you need that reminder. Because our hearts are fickle. We forget so easily. So it's important to remember that God is always faithful. Because when those storms come, when that dark night of the soul has arrived, when when the storms of life are raging all around you, it can be really difficult to keep your eyes fixed on God's faithfulness. So we set up landmarks. We set up memorials, memories we build to remind ourselves that God is faithful. Because when you remind yourself that God has been faithful in the past, when you are in that moment, you're like, wait a minute. Calm down, Josh. Remember that time that God came through. Remember that time that God came through. When you're in those moments and you remember that God was faithful in the past, you are empowering yourself to remember he's going to be faithful right now. He's going to be faithful in the future as well. And that's what Abraham is doing right here. He's giving the place a name to remember that on the mount of the Lord, God provided. Abraham passed the test. His faith was genuine. And there's something in this here that that we just have to take hold of. You see, Abraham's story, his, his faith journey was not a story of perfect faith. Abraham had doubts. And he constantly wrestled with those doubts. But in the end, he learned to trust the Lord. And as we see that, we can take hold of that and be encouraged. We can find hope in this. Because I don't know about you, but but sometimes, if we can just be honest for a minute, sometimes I have doubts. Sometimes I feel like I am just never done wrestling with those doubts. God, you really want me to do this? God, you're really working in this? God, this is it? Really? Sometimes I have doubts. But what we're seeing here is that experiencing doubts doesn't mean you don't have faith. Experiencing doubt simply means you're human. So the question isn't, do you ever doubt? 
The question is, what do you do when you do doubt? And what we're seeing here in this example is that we, we can lean in. We can trust God because we know he's faithful. He's going to come through. He's going to work. And then because we know that he's faithful, we can know that he'll actually do it. Real faith is sometimes a struggle. And that's okay as long as in those times of doubt, we're leaning into God, not running from him. We can always trust God because God is always faithful. And here's the part I need you to take away. Always includes the doubts. When you have doubts, you can trust God because he's always faithful. God is faithful even when you doubt. It, it, it's not like, like you're questioning God or maybe you're reading the Bible and you're like, really God, this is what you're calling me to do? God doesn't say, oh, no, I'm done with you, go away. No, even when we doubt, he's faithful. Don't miss that little piece of hope that we find right here. In the aftermath of this test, we're, we're given the final recorded words that the Lord spoke to Abraham before Abraham died. And, and I want you to see this because it concludes the story of Abraham's test. Beginning at verse 15, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I'll surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. And they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. The story of Abraham's test ends with God reiterating all of the promises that God has made over and over throughout Abraham's life. And then Abraham returned to Beersheba. He returned to everyday life. And as the story of, of the Bible continued, we read of God's faithfulness to keep these promises. God blessed Abraham and his, his family grew. It grew to become a large nation and Though they were large, they still continued to struggle with faith and doubt for a very long time. Eventually, that doubt led to faithlessness and rebellion. And that nation was destroyed. And God grew silent. But even in that silence, God preserved a remnant. And one day, after 400 years of silence, God chose another son to be a sacrifice. But this time, it was his only son. This time, it was Jesus. He was descended from Abraham, but like Isaac, he was God's only son, and God loved him dearly. But God sent him. He sent him to be a sacrifice for us, so he came and he lived a perfect life. And though he had done nothing wrong, he was convicted by sinners to die a sinner's death. Like Isaac, they laid the wood of the cross on his back. Like Isaac, he had to carry it up that hill. And like Isaac, they laid him down on top of that wood as they drove the nails through his hands and his feet. But unlike Isaac, this time God didn't intervene. 
Jesus died a sinner's death on that cross for us in our place. So that if we will repent of our sin, if we will place our faith in him, he'll forgive our sins. He'll give us his righteousness. And we will spend eternity reconciled to God. And when we do that, this is the awesome part, that promise that he made to Abraham, that promise that through your descendants shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, that promise is fulfilled in Jesus. You see, we can always trust God because he's always faithful. His timing might not match what we expect it to be, but his timing is always perfect. That is the hope that we find here in the story of Abraham's test. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for this word of encouragement that we find here in Genesis chapter 22. And Father, I I confess that many of us, including me, sometimes we struggle. Sometimes it's hard to trust you. Father, in those moments where we have doubt, would you help us to lean in? Would you help us to trust you? Would you help us to walk with you in everything that we do? Father, we're thankful for your, this time in your word, and we ask that you would use it to be encouraging to us, that we would live in the hope that we find here today. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.